0: Welcome to The Journal.ie's The Explainer where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and this week, 16 years on, what is happening with the Madeleine McCann case? It's one of the most famous missing person cases in the world. Madeleine McCann was reported missing by her parents in Portugal in May 2007, and despite years of investigations and publicity campaigns, little evidence of her whereabouts has ever been found. Listeners to this podcast are likely already well familiar with the background of the case. Most will recall the wall-to-wall coverage at the time, and in the years since, a slew of documentaries and books have been published. However, there are countless children the world over who have never been found, but none quite captured the world's attention like this one did. So it's probably unsurprising the police involvement is still as active as it is. And in the last week, new ground searches have taken place at a reservoir in the Algarve. Police in Germany, Portugal and the UK are all involved as one suspect is honed in on. So where exactly is the case at? Are police making progress and are there any hopes that Madeline can be found or any potential perpetrator could be brought to justice? To discuss the ongoing investigation with us, I'm delighted to be joined by Robin Swan. Robin is a journalist and author who has co-written five books, including Looking for Madeline in 2014. In 2012, she was a finalist in the Pulitzer Prize for History. Thanks a million for joining us, Robin. And as I said there, the coverage of Madeline's disappearance in 2007 was extensive, so most people will remember that. But can you just give us a brief overview of the circumstances of that disappearance?
1: Sure. Back in 2007, Madeleine McCann was accompanied by her mother and father and younger siblings, aged 18 months, on a family holiday to the Algarve. Traveling with McCann's were several sets of her parents' friends and their own young children. They went to a resort, the Ocean Club, in a town called Praia Deluge. It was early May, the weather wasn't ideal, in some ways, the situation wasn't ideal. There wasn't a restaurant close enough by for you know, running at the times when it would be appropriate for little children to eat. So in the end, the parents all decided together that they would start their own sort of baby listening service and they would leave their children asleep in the, their apartments and then have a meal in the resort's own restaurant, which was some 90 yards away, as the crow flies, from the block of flats in which the McCants and their friends were staying. That worked fine for the first few nights of the holiday, but on the night of the third going into the fourth, when the parents went around for a mid meal bunch of checks, Madeline's mother found that she had vanished. That was just a little before 10 o'clock on the night of the third. And Madeline has never been seen since. There were some very early sightings of Madeline, or someone believed to be Madeline, by a friend of the McCanns, and then by an Irish family who were themselves out and around in Prior to Lush that night. Neither of those sightings have ever been positively determined to have been Madeline in the arms of a man. One was much later discounted as having probably been a completely different father taking home his own young daughter. And the second sighting has never been firmly identified or firmly linked with Madeline. But that was the last known true sighting of the child.
0: So she was taken from a bed in the resort in the apartment block that the parents were were staying in. So when the alarm was raised, what form did the initial investigations take?
1: Well, it's interesting you use the word she was taken and of course that is our presumption now but on the night she disappeared madeline was thought to have been perhaps just a child who had wandered away so the initial searching that was done by the portuguese police was not a crime related search it was a missing child search so those first policemen to arrive on the scene made numerous mistakes and we can get into those in a minute but In the course of their searching, they searched vigorously through the village, through the town, many locals became involved. The McCann's themselves began to search. It was a chaotic scene that night with many hands and many people being involved and no sign of Madeline. Now, there were a couple of things that are interesting about Praia Deluge at that time. Mrs. McCann has always said that she didn't believe that her daughter could possibly have wandered away As a mother of a young girl of three or four myself from that period, I could tell you that it would have, I would have found it unusual for my own child to have behaved in the way Madeline would have had to had she wandered off on her own. A, it was dark. B, she was an unfamiliar surrounding. She did not take her cuddle cat, her security toy with her. The doors were closed behind her, the doors and gates were closed behind her, not locked, but just closed. These are not necessarily the usual actions of a three, three-year-old child. There were, however, certain things that could lend to that scenario. The Portuguese village was very much upended at that point as new tunnels were being dug for a drainage system. And very near to the McCann apartment, there were fairly substantial um, roadworks that a child could have fallen into. We were never convinced that they were adequately searched, although the Portuguese police did say so. And so that was a line that needed to be pursued. That said, by pursuing the missing child wandered away theory, the Portuguese police squandered what police around the world know as the golden hour. And the golden hour is the period immediately after any kind of criminal incident in which you have the best chance of resolving it. Because the clues are fresh, the evidence hasn't been trampled, the witnesses' minds are, are clear, and you know it's just your best moment. So instead of having all that clarity, we had a situation in which uh, multiple people came and went from the McCann's apartment, which was if we wanted to accept that she was abducted, which was a crime scene. So there were lots of mistakes made. We in Ireland would be completely in sympathy with the fact that a small town, ordinary police force may not have been well resourced enough to actually deal with this kind of a case. But nevertheless, in that first hour, serious mistakes were made.
0: And so then in the weeks that followed, when obviously in those first few hours, Madeline wasn't found, there was no evidence of of where she was, what form did the investigations then take? A, A couple of things happened.
1: First of all, the McCanns fairly rapidly became convinced that the best way to find their daughter was to make as much noise as possible. They took advice from ICMEC, which is the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the United States. And their best advice, based on decades of experience, was that getting the missing child's face before the public was the best way of having a child returned. You know, in the United States for years, they had run campaigns for missing children by putting children's faces on the sides of milk cartons because everybody picked up a milk carton. And the internet, was the world's biggest milk carton. So the McCanns rapidly turned to trying to spread the news about Madeline's disappearance via email and via the internet. And that attracted the mass attention of the world's press and of the public at large. Simultaneously, the Portuguese were rather stymied by the case. Because they'd missed that early opportunity to look at the evidence they didn't have as much forensic evidence as they might have done. They also hadn't interviewed the parents and their friends properly as possible suspects in in Madeline's disappearance on day one, which is when really that should have been done. In any disappearance of a family member, those closest to them have got to be regarded as the most likely suspects at the beginning and you must then work forward to discount them. So weeks into the search for Madeline, in their frustration, the Portuguese brought in a team from the UK that had been offered early on of recovery dogs, Victims Remains Recovery Dogs, to search the McCann's apartment um, and, and elsewhere around Pridal is. And these dogs are expert in searching for both human blood and human remains. When those dogs were brought in, it changed the course of the investigation. So you go from McCann's being grieving parents in the eyes of the Portuguese to the McCann's becoming suspects on the basis of these dog searches. Now what actually happened with the dog searches, and we recreate this in our book, Looking for Madeline, is the British police offer the dogs to the Portuguese police. But they oversell their capabilities. The Portuguese become convinced that these dogs are are virtually super, you know, super canines. They can find anybody. There. They what what they determine is hundred percent gospel truth. When the dog handler lands, what he actually says time and time again is their alerts are only indicators of locations where there might be physical evidence, and it. In this case, the dog alerts never led to the finding of any physical evidence identifiable as going back to Madeline. So you have the Portuguese police oversold on this science of the dogs. They then go back, and in the locations where the dogs have searched, they find scraps of DNA. Now, for the most part, we do not even know if the DNA they recovered was blood, but it's advertised in the press and everywhere else as blood that has been linked to the DNA of Madeline McCann. That too is a gross misstatement of what actually transpired. None of the DNA samples that were collected from any of the locations involved, either the McCann's holiday apartment or the car the McCann's began renting weeks after Madeline disappeared, were ever firmly linked to Madeline McCann. Many of them were so muddied by the multiple hands. In other words, the DNA samples showed clear indications of having come from more than one person. That while they might have been linked to Madeline, one of her siblings, her parents. Because remember, we all share the DNA of our families. We all share our parents' DNA. the The laboratory technicians determined that it could have some of the DNA could have come from people working in their own labs. So the the DNA evidence too, in the eyes of the Irish expert I consulted was a whole lot of nothing. And yet again, between the press leaks and the Portuguese police's mistranslation, overstatement of the findings they were having, the McCann's were zeroed in as the prime suspect.
0: Yeah, I think most people will kind of have have been familiar up, up to that point. What happened then in the subsequent years to that? Because like what I said at the, invest, at the start, like 16 years on, so I think most people knew that the parents were being treated as suspects, but then nothing was ever found of Madeline. So what has been happening in those years?
1: Well, in 2008, having not succeeded in making a case against the McCann's or against another person that they had, as a suspect at that time, the case was was shelved. It wasn't dropped completely, but it was shelved and put aside until the time, such a time as perhaps new evidence would come forward. But from that point on, aside from the McCann's own private investigators, no official body was looking for Madeline. And that was a state of affairs that went on for a long time, until 2011. And in 2011, the McCann's, through public pressure and a campaign by the sun newspaper in the uk managed to get the british government to reopen the investigation of madeline's disappearance and the way that started was that northern irish policeman by the name of jim gamble headed an inquiry into the flaws in the previous investigation and tried to determine whether there were opportunities to reopen it, what they what a new investigation might do that hadn't been done. And he found a great deal of opportunity to reopen the investigation. And and so Scott and Yard took on that challenge first as a review and then later as a reinvestigation. They were quickly followed by the Portuguese who in 2013 began their own formal reinvestigation of the events. Now, the things that had been left undone are really important. They're really important because they touch immediately on where we are now in this case.
0: Yeah, if you want to take us through some of those things. The the things that hadn't been done, according to Gamble,
1: there had been a mountain of cell phone data collected. Immediately after Madeleine disappeared, Vodafone, Meteor, all of those companies had gotten together and handed over to the Portuguese police the the cell phone traffic from that period. And it had never been adequately analyzed. Uh, Another thing that Gamble was very concerned about was that the sharing of the information um, between the forces about known pedophiles in the Algarve He was aware of at least 52 known pedophiles in that part of Portugal in the relevant period and was never satisfied that they had been adequately investigated.
0: And where did we go from there then? So did the case go quiet again or has it been this long until we get to a a new development?
1: There have been a few things that have happened publicly. Uh, In 2013 a strand of information emerged that may still have relevance. The British police found that there had been break-ins into homes, housing mostly expatriate children on holiday um, or living in the Algarve, in which the intruder either tried to get into the bed of the child, stood over the child, or in some cases, molested the child. They never accurately identified who that person was, but they came forward in 2013 with this as a line of inquiry. Now, this had been mentioned very early on in Kate McCann's book, because almost immediately after Madeleine disappeared, the local British consul revealed to her that they were aware of both break-ins in which children were molested and of break-ins Involving burglaries, you no, know, there were no warnings given to anyone about any of this. So, so this was a line of inquiry that was never fully explored, but it comes into comes under the lens now um, to me because of something that we ourselves found, which was that we had an interview with the mother of two young girls who had an ex- one of these experiences where a man came and got into the bed with them spoke English with a foreign accent and when they woke when the older one woke he scampered away the girls said that the man was wearing some sort of mask or covering on his face and he was wearing something like rags or booties on his feet little girls weren't necessarily giving very accurate descriptions but that's what they described Flash forward to the current suspect and we'll see some parallels with his behavior and what we know of the current suspect.
0: So let's move forward then to the current suspect. We know him as Christian B. Can you tell us about him and um, how he came to be honed in on by police forces?
1: Christian B first emerged as a suspect 10 years ago, uh, back in 2013 when he bragged to a friend in a bar that he knew what had happened to Madeline. He is a man who has a history of child sexual offenses and other kinds of offenses, offenses involving drugs. Now his previous child sexual offenses, for a time, were treated as not having been particularly serious. However, he molested a six-year-old and a nine-year-old when he was only a very young man himself, barely out of his teens. He, in recent years, was convicted of having molested a five-year-old girl who was the daughter of a girlfriend, and having filmed it, filmed himself doing that, and that filming made up part of the case against him. He also preyed, we know, on at least one elderly woman he is in prison now, having been convicted of the rape of a 72-year-old American tourist. So he is a character who was in the area, had the means, had the opportunity, um, certainly had the motive, and became a suspect in the eyes of the German police about 2013.
0: And how did the Germans come to be linked to all of this?
1: The initial thing that set them off was that in 2013, the McCann's appeared on a television show in Germany, and there was a call for anyone recognizing the various photo fits of suspects to call into the show. And one of the photo fits that was shown was that of a man who had been seen hanging around the McCann apartment in the week prior to Madeline's disappearance, which bore a substantial resemblance to the Christian B who was around Pride Delusion those days in terms of he was wearing a leather jacket. Christian B often wore a leather jacket. Christian B had serious acne in those days. The, the suspect was was described as having very badly pockmarked skin. Uh, the color of the hair, the, the various things led at least one viewer to call the police and identify Christian B as a possible candidate for the man they were looking for.
0: He seems to have put himself in the Madeleine McCann case, given what you've said about him bragging about it to someone in a bar. But is there enough evidence against him outside of that? How could police form a case that could connect him solidly to it?
1: The German police came forward in 2020 because they admit themselves they don't have enough evidence to convict him. And that is a point of real interest to those of us who have followed this case. The German police are not known to make random pronouncements. They're known to be careful. They have said from the beginning, the prosecutor has said from the beginning, very, very few things, but what he has said is that they have what he describes as concrete evidence that Madeline is dead and that Christian B killed her. He has also said that Madeline was killed in Portugal. Much of the rest of what we read about the suspect falls into two caps. It's either reporting, and reporting can be good. I'm a reporter. You're a reporter. We try to do our best, but it's not pol- we're not doing a police investigation. So a lot of it is reporting by those who have followed this case for a long time, who've tracked down witnesses who have said various incriminating things. And the rest of it comes from the limited amount of Actual police information from Christian B's file um, that has been obtained by various journalists, including myself, which lists the evidence they've used against him in the cases for which he's been convicted and which provides us with a very incriminating bit of circumstantial evidence against him. But the most significant thing that has emerged so far, and it's really the only significant thing that has emerged that is actual evidence, is that Christian B's mobile telephone was being used for about 30 minutes in Prior Deluge, within the best expert analysis suggests, within 3,000 meters of the Ocean Club apartment that night. So he was in town that night that isn't everything, but it's something. It puts a sexual predator, a child sexual predator in that town. Uh, A man also with a criminal record for burglary and other types of things that might have been involved in Madeline's abduction. So there are all these small bits of evidence that are very incriminating. However, they don't yet make a substantial enough case for me to say or for the German police to say that he is absolutely the man who took Madeline.
0: So that brings us up to the most recent developments then, where there was new searches announced and took place over the last uh, couple of weeks. Can you tell us what the focus of those searches were and what why they came about?
1: Oh, The why they came about, we again have to go back to um, Hans Christian Walters, who is the German prosecutor in the case, who has said that they had obtained some leads suggesting that this would be a likely place to search. She described them as tip-offs. So that would seem to indicate that they were verbal or written from members of the public rather than physical photographs or videos or what have you. I don't know that that is true, but that would be what how I would interpret that. The area that they have searched, a very large reservoir has been in the frame in the past. Um, back in 2008, it was searched under the auspices of a, of a local lawyer who had attached himself to the case. And it was all very strangely handled because the lawyer first claimed that underworld sources had led him to think that uh, Madeline had been raped and murdered and her body thrown in the reservoir. He then later admitted that his that he'd had a vision Um, and that is why he indicated this. Now, the searches that took place this week were searches on primarily on land as opposed to in the water, and they focused on a specific area. What the press has been reporting, and I haven't been in Praia de this week, but what the press has been reporting from here is that local couple um, and local expatriate couple um, had found what they described as a shrine to Madeline in that area, Including a photograph of Madeline back in 2007, and that they had reported it to police and not been taken seriously, and never heard back. And the tabloids have been reporting uh, what they say are pictures of the of the shrine and and various other aspects of what the couple reported. Whether they are actual photographs that the family took at that time, or whether they are mock-ups i i cannot say for certain they are being trailed as actual photographs there's there's much work to be done and we're back in the world that happens so often with this story of a limited press release by officialdom that is followed by an absolute hurricane of additional information from the press and from supposed witnesses and it quite often adds more to the confusion than to clarity. So one must be very circumspect in what we take away from the fact that they searched this location.
0: And do we have any results of the searches? Do we know if they found anything? Well,
1: we saw them taking away bags of material, but we don't know what they might have found, if anything, after 16 years and 16 years of hot summers and cold winters and rain, what they might have found. It is possible that they found something. There's, again, there's reporting that they found a relevant bit of evidence. What that might be, I do not know. But it's all been sent to Germany for analysis.
0: You mentioned earlier that Hans Christian believes that Madeleine is dead. Is this still a missing persons case or is it a murder case? How is it being treated?
1: The Germans are, I believe, treating it as a murder case, as homicide. The British police are still treating it as a missing persons
0: case. Are they working together?
1: all the police forces are at this point working together and with more success it seems than they have in the past um you know the the early criticism of the portuguese um and the way the british police arrived on the scene it didn't set up good working relationships going forward there was there was just too much backbiting going on and you know no one wants to come under the the magnifying lens of the world and and be told held up as having performed badly. And and that was a big element, a big problem for the early investigations.
0: Are there other suspects still in the picture or is Christian B. it now?
1: My understanding is that the British police may still have one additional line of inquiry that has never been followed completely exhaustively. I don't know that to be currently true. It has Been over the last few years, it's something I've certainly heard. The main emphasis does seem to be on Christian B at this point. As one former senior policeman said to me, you know, it it almost has to be him. And that is, I think, the general feeling. But again, he firmly denies it. And one must always reiterate that he firmly denies it. And the German police have said they do not have enough to convict him. So we don't know everything they have. And the truth is, he may never be prosecuted for this case. And that would be, a, you know, that would be another dead end for the McCanns if he is not prosecuted. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tough one.
0: I was going to ask about the McCanns because their status as suspects was lifted, like you said. What are they saying about the most recent investigations?
1: Well, they've been very, very quiet about what's going on. They continue, and most recently in this, over the last week or so, because Madeline would have been 20, would be 20 if she were sitting here next to me. They have said, reiterated, as they often do, that she is still missing and still missed and that they will always look for her. And while acknowledging that Again, and this comes from what they have said publicly that they would like to see resolution of what is going on in the German investigation. I think they, you know, they probably, as well as anyone, recognize the obstacles ahead. So, so I think they they keep a fairly low profile these days and and w- are, await the police, the outcome of police investigations.
0: Which is so different to what you said at the start that they were really doing their best to have Madeline's face out there and get as much publicity as they can, and that publicity and scrutiny has stayed at an extremely high level even throughout the the 16 years. Why do you think that is? Why has this case received so much more attention than many other missing children have?
1: You know that I think that comes down in a lot of ways to our the psyche of all of us who who tune in. The fact that she was the first missing child of this internet age and the way the case was handled at the beginning. And to some extent, the negativity that certain parts of the internet have attached to her parents, it all feeds on itself and has made the case bigger than it is, which is basically, it's one family's tragedy. The McCanns aren't at fault for that. And they have tried over the years to turn the light on other missing children, even while looking for their own child. You know, Kate you know, famously worked with missing you know, missing kids and missing people in the UK. But I, I am sympathetic to, to other parents who have missing children that have not garnered the attention the McCanns have for Madeline. But on the opposite end of it, nor have they garnered the extraordinary level of opprobrium and hate and bile that is unleashed on the McCanns on a daily basis on the internet, which I have seen and I've also been on the receiving end of for trying to talk sensibly about this case.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much for coming into us today and talking sensibly about the case. It's a, it's obviously a really difficult one. And like you said, there's kind of no closure to be had from it, but a positive investigation uh, would be a good thing. Thanks so much, Robin, for your expertise and coming in to explain all that to us. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Robin for joining us. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan as well as other team members including my good self and presenter Laura Byrne. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us so we can continue to make more just like this one. There's a couple of things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or make a one-off donation. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a great way to make sure other people will listen and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.